Hello, everybody. Before we jump into today's episode, I got to remind you of our headline sponsor routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweat, etc. When you wake up in the morning, most of the time and most people are actually really dehydrated. Uh, and it's one of those things that I didn't realize until I started taking morning routine. Uh, so morning routine is a proprietary product um, that is created to rehydrate you first thing in the morning. They come in single serve packets and each packet contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. You just tear one pack. Uh, I throw it in about 20, 25 ounces of water and shake it up. Uh, it's become a definitely a habit of mine in the morning to just make one of these um, and then go out to um, work out. And it just hydrates me first thing in the morning. I love it. Routine also has a variety of other products, and you can check all of these out at yourroutine.com. If you guys want to give Morning Routine or any of Routine's products a shot, Go to yourroutine.com, and I will add that to the show notes below, and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout uh, for 30% off your first order. So try routine. All right, everybody. Today's episode is with the founder of Umli. Yes, I said that correctly. Umli. Uh, Nicholas Naclerio. He has launched Umli a few months ago, and so it was a fun conversation. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed getting to meet some of these founders of food and beverage companies, especially some of these that are uh, earlier on, you really get to, you know, kind of get a deeper understanding of where their head's at uh, when they're launching a brand, which I, I think is, it's pretty cool for some of these founders, I think, to have something on the record of what they were thinking at this point in time in their journey uh, of launching the brand. So I think you guys will really enjoy this one. Um, I haven't tried the cookies yet, but from what I've, what I've seen in, in talking to Nick, uh, it, it, they, they look delicious. So he's going to, he's, uh, I'm going to try some soon. Um, there are links to only, uh, in the show notes as well. So check them out. Um, there's a discount code in there if you guys want to look at it and, uh, try them out and, um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. Without further ado, give it up for Nick Naclerio. I went, uh, started off, I went to three different schools actually. So I started off um, in the culinary industry. I went to Johnson Wales. I lived in uh, Miami, I'm originally from here. Okay. Um, I'm Italian, by the way. Got it. Okay. Love it. My oh, brother-in-law is Italian, and I think they're some of the most fun people I know. Yeah, we're pretty animated. We're, we're a little dramatic, too. Just, <laughs> spend a lot of time around us. Um, I mean, I'm not going to general, like, generalize. Not everyone is like that. Um, but, yeah, so went to cooking school, worked at, uh, worked at some awesome restaurants in Miami. I worked at, like, Fountain Blue. Um, a lot of worked with some really great chefs. I mean, I don't really care about labels, but like Michelin star restaurants, you're making all these fancy, fancy plates that are just plated beautifully. And it's just yeah. really hot, best environment. Um, so I did that for a few years. Um, then I went back to school for psychology. Nice. Um, okay. Yep. I mean, I've, I've been in therapy for more than half of my life. So I was like, I need to do something purposeful. That's I cool. wanted to do that. Um, 
but I, I, I just didn't want to be in like $250,000 worth of debt. Yeah, at that time. sure. While I simultaneously, I was just looking at all these different food brands that were just popping up in the market. Um, and I was just like, I can go back to school when I'm 35. Like, I just need to jump straight into what I want to do. Um, I didn't necessarily do that. I just worked with a couple of uh, like business owners, small business owners, just really learned how to, how to run a company, right? Okay. From all different angles. Um, I worked with basically a couple of mentors, so to speak. Um, one was a family friend, owned a construction company, okay. in New York City, which was really uh, boring. And um, it was really nice because that level of misery like propelled me to do what I'm doing right now. Sure, I bet, yeah. Uh, yeah, but on the same token, like I, I learned so much about just how to deal with other vendors and um, and just how to how to run a company properly, right? Like I have no formal financial background, but I was around someone that was a CPA, so got you know just received all that knowledge. I am I am the biggest proponent of you learn so much more doing it than going to school for it. I, and I can attest to that. So I, I, oh, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I left all of those schools. Yeah, right? sure. Um, I learned I learned more managing like five different parcels of real estate that all serve different purposes and like redoing all of their websites and just putting myself directly into into the fire um, yeah oh i bet so yeah i mean i think that actually helped me gain the confidence to just jump jump into this and like with the approach that i'm going to learn as i go um yeah. and recently it's just about making sure that i reach out for help um making sure that i connect with the right people in the industry that can actually help me drive this forward um, and then work directly with people that have done this before. So I love that. I love that. And let's just, let's just keep rolling because this is a great conversation and I could add an intro at the beginning, but I want to introduce you real quick for the listeners because we just dove right into your background, which I thought was really cool and organic, but Nick uh, Naclario, uh, the founder of Mli, and I, did I pronounce Mli right? Is that how you, is that how yeah, you say it? Everyone. Yeah, that, that's great. Okay. Great way to pronounce it. Yeah. Love it. Would you just give everyone a, a quick background? So that's that's what brought you to today. What is the brand that you just founded and that you're getting off the ground right now? So we is a. I mean, we we like to say that our our snacks are just like reimagined snacks, and that they actually they have purposeful ingredients that are really good for your health. Um, so we started with cookies. Um, they're low net carb, low sugar cookies with prebiotics to support digestive health. With healthy fats, um, they're not keto, so they're not super high in fats. No, no gluten, no starches, wheat-free, grain-free, soy-free. Um, they're low glycemic, diabetic-friendly. They're all around, just like really good for you cookie that actually tastes good. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty love much that. it. No, I love that. I love that. And I, you know, you you dove into your background, which obviously, like, you did have some. I won't say you don't have any like food experience because you were a chef and you worked for a chef and you worked at great restaurants. So you had like that background. Did that, do you think that, you know, had any sort of connection for you wanting to like bring your own product to market? Just like the, being close to like creating food in itself. I feel like that there is some sort of tie there. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, I sort of skipped over a large portion of my life. So oh. ever, ever since I've been working, I've always been in the food industry. So my first job was actually at Carvel, which is like oh, a ice, yeah. cream, ice cream chain. Sweet. Um, and it was sort of the incubator for, I was going through, and I can tell you the personal story as to why I started this, but um, yeah, so I worked at 
Carvel for a couple of years. My uncle and my family, they, they owned restaurants. So I was always in food. Um, and also being Italian, like you're always around food. So collectively, sure. I've, I've had like seven or eight years being in restaurants, opening new restaurants, um, working in catering. And I mean, not really so much catering, but working with restaurant groups that do that. So um, yeah, definitely a background in food. For sure. Love it. Love it. And then I always love to ask founders this from like the zero to one concept that we talked about before we started rolling. But like, were you in your, the job before starting this? Did you just hit a point where you're like, I want to be my own boss. I want to be an entrepreneur. Or was it more driven by, I want to bring a product like this to market? Like what was kind of the insp- initial inspiration to want to even make this leap? Because obviously, as we all know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a risky leap. Yeah. Um, I always used to walk around when I was a teenager and I would, I would say, I'm going to, own, even when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to own multiple businesses. Like just walking <laughs> around telling like my, my mom's best friend that when I'm like seven or eight years old. And it was always something internally that I wanted to do that. Um, and I actually tried to start this six years ago when I was oh, 20. Just okay. going, I didn't really believe in myself at the time. And I didn't have the, I didn't think I had the, the skill set to actually do it. Um, so I've always wanted to start a food business. Got it. Okay. And what what do you think changed from the first time you tried to start it till now? Was there some pivotal thing that happened that kind of gave you the confidence to want to do this sort of endeavor? Uh, I think it was a general level of frustration with working for other people. Um, I had one of my boss, one of my bosses, the business owner. He he told me I could never work for anyone. I had mm. to work myself uh, because I just too strong of a personality to not or not a personality but I, I don't want to call it an opinionated but I was just driven to always provide my input and for me at least I thought it was, they were valid points and I wasn't necessarily being you know my advice wasn't listened to um yeah. so I felt like I, I needed to do something and yeah. then and then when I got back from that job I had no idea what to do when I left that job I spent like a year and a half there um in Miami just managing so many different things just I don't even I don't even want to get into it but came came here and then I my best friends asked me to go to Italy for a couple of weeks with their family and they're both both business owners so one owns a a real estate photography business that has just expanded and he's creating an app right now um just main influencing factor in my life Mm -hmm. um and so anyway, I went to Italy and I was like, I was applying for positions to be an executive assistant and they were just looking at me and they were like, you, you should not do that. Like, <laughs> that's not going to be the right fit. Stop limiting yourself, like really stop limiting yourself. So one of them actually gave me the, the job in their construction company, working, you know, in operations, just managing the company and he funded the beginning exploration of the recipe testing so cool yeah so i took about two months off and i just went crazy and stopped talking to people and i spent all day just developing recipes and teaching myself food science so that i could understand shelf life and uh just bought a lot of cookies and asked myself how can we be different how how can i go about this in like a foolproof way where i minimize any any risk of failing so between the branding and the actual, the integrity of, and the formulation of the product itself, I asked myself, how could I, how could I not fail? 
Love that. Did you, were you just like at home? I'm envisioning you like in, in your kitchen or wherever your parents kitchen, wherever you were at the time. And just like having just a, a ton of cookies of all kinds of brands yeah. around you. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many it's sad, but all the ingredients that I threw out, <laughs> I was working in on the 30th floor of an apartment building in Manhattan. Um, just this really small studio. Okay. Like 800 square feet, just cranking out cookies every day. And then whenever I was done with the batch, I would, I would go share it with like 10 or 20 people. And I'd say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I actually had like a file bin of cookies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, just like pulling them, like anxiously pulling them. Like, what can I, what do I need to work on next? And then contacting preservative companies and then just figuring out what do I need to do to get this tested? So it was a fun time. Yeah. It was, yeah. Well, and yeah. so you said you took two months off. So did you just like save up some money? This is like something that everyone has a different story about. Did you like, you fully quit work and were like, I'm just going to spend two months, no income and just crank this out. Or were you working full time and doing something on the side? How did you kind of make the pivot full time? No, I was, uh, I was living off of credit cards. Oh, wow. Okay. To be honest with you. Unfortunately. I mean, I, I was already the jobs that I had prior when I was working, I was learning so much that I, I don't think I asked for too much in terms of salary. So I wasn't in a great financial position. Um, so yeah, I, I, well, I started working for my friend and he was just throwing, throwing me a bone like here and there when I was doing what I was doing. Um, okay. but most of it was just like, it was like a leap of faith. It was definitely nerve wracking. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, well, how long can you, how long could, did you know what your runway was? Like how, how long did you know you could just, you know, use credit cards to live off of before that well, became an issue? It, it wasn't really too, he was funding the ingredients, right? Okay. Like, okay. Actually, yeah. So I, but it was just living, basic living expenses, which sure. I basically had none at the time. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Love it. No, no, no. It's interesting, right? Cause everyone's so, got a little bit different perspective on how they, how they make the jump. So you, and when was this? Give maybe give everyone a little timeline of, of when you made when you started doing the cookie development. How long ago was this? Yeah, so it started in 2019. Started in September of or August of 2019, and I did the two months of really really heavy like deep recipe testing at that point. Um, and then I started working a full time job starting in November, uh, October, November. That's when I just realized that I needed to start making money. Yeah. Um, but I simultaneously didn't want to suffocate what I was doing. So I was working like seven days a week, um, just living on caffeine for the, so anyway, 2019 developed the, the recipe for 2020. Wow. Yeah. Um, I spent, I spent basically six months developing the recipe and then about a year and a half actually, finalizing the recipe so i just kept changing it over and over again um, i mean that goes to show too how much energy went into this to like come to market with something thoughtful differentiated yeah. like that doesn't just happen overnight no it doesn't and i and i had to keep testing and making improvements right like each ingredient always like it always changes something sure and i wanted these cookies to taste as close as possible to normal cookies so that a person can eat them and they're like, wow, this doesn't taste like cardboard or like yeah. an off flavor. This has an aftertaste. Um, there's a, and I think what I've learned recently is that product development never, it never stops. So we're working on the next stage, you know, how do we make this better? Um, we have a couple of things that 
we're working on to just make the product better than what it is right now. So got it. Yeah, yeah. So you spend, you know, a good chunk of time developing the product. Um, and then how long did it take to, you know, bring the first product to market? Where did you launch? What did that all look like? Um, yeah, so so 2019 developed the recipe for that period of time. 20, 2020 in November, October is when uh, we we started fundraising. Okay. Um, and we actually launched in late March of 2021. Love it. And so then how, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying we were working on brand identity um, and just sort of putting the team together and just waiting for packaging to come in and basically doing everything. I was still leaving the other job. I had to gradually leave that one. So yeah. Okay. Got it. And what was it like, you know, I think, I think one thing that I'm sure becomes overwhelming is like branding, packaging design. Did you do a lot of that yourself? Did you, you know, outsource that to a firm? Like, how did you even like think through some of that? I think a lot of people don't realize how much time, energy, and, and really like creativity has to go into coming up with a name, packaging, just brand identity. Yeah. Um, I came up with all of it on my own, actually. Love it. Okay. Like I, only, I only had like this amount of money to spend on, on branding and packaging. And I just, that was basically like the only chance that I had to actually make something valuable. Um, so I, I hired a like consultant and I spoke with her once a week and we just spoke about what, what I wanted in the packaging. So I just looked at my inspirations and then created mood boards and storyboards and just let that uh, sort of seep in for a little bit to figure out what do I really want out of this. Um, and I found an illustrator and uh, I found a freelance graphic designer that works for an agency in, in LA. So an illustrator in Berlin. And I just basically told them, we have a product that we want to, we, we want it to be disruptive. And I told them sort of like what I was dreaming about. Yeah. Um, create characters and create, create like something that that um like we were also going through covid too so we were talking about like you need to reimagine life to an extent when you're stuck in your house yeah so all of the characters actually sort they they represent like a different emotion so like one is balancing um one is one is spreading joy another one is just hanging from a cloud like they're dreaming um so i just really wanted to create something that shocks people to an extent okay. Yeah. So she pitched all of her ideas. Like she, she did a couple of initial drawings and we went with those ones. So love it. I mean, that's, but, that's a wild process. You know what I mean? Just in general, like trying to find all that. I don't think most people realize uh, the no, amount of time, it, energy and work. It, it takes a lot of time to really create something. Like I, I, I went through probably like 15 different revisions of the packaging. I would go to the store, I would print it out, print out like, what is the packaging? Three different options. Wow. And then I asked way too many people for advice, but <laughs> no, but that's great. Right. I mean, that's that, I think sometimes that's probably the key that we haven't talked on the podcast a ton about, but you know, reaching out and connecting with other people who have done it. Um, people love helping people, especially in the food industry. I'm sure you've noticed that I feel like the CPG space is just full of great people who are all willing to help each other. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Everyone is super, super helpful. Um, and I continue to learn that every day. Like, yeah, the, uh, I never thought that people would actually, and, and I'm, I'm here, I was there, they're like offering advisory agreements with people and they're like, no, like, let's just uh, like take things slow and learn with like, see how this rolls. Um, 
just because I, I mean, the way I approach things is if, I, if you're giving me something, I want to make sure that there's that, like that, that level of reciprocity. So, sure. yeah, no, I get that. I get that too. Cause that, otherwise you feel like you're just asking people for free advice, which yeah, know, and I, that gets and tough I too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I get that 100%, man. So interesting. So you, now you have packaging um, and you're about to come to market really after, after a lot of really hard work. It sounds like lots of, lots of, you know, tinkering, getting packaging, getting the, the, you know, cookies in a good spot. Um, what was that process like as you like get all that pulled together um, and you're about to launch? And I guess before I even ask this question, I'll back up because you did mention too in that year of, of really figuring out the process, figuring out the, the cookie, you know, mixes and everything, um, raising capital. So I think that's a, that's obviously a huge one. Was there, what was the kind of some of the thought behind raising capital versus bootstrapping? And do you remember kind of just like the thought process of how you went about that? Um, what was the thought process behind raising capital? And, and what I, really what I'm asking there is, you know, for some people I've talked to on here, it's, uh, it was a need, right? It was just like, you know, the, the cash wasn't there. And so in order to like innovate and bring things to market, like they wanted to other people, it's been, you know, some people think it's like, it's going to help drive a ton of growth and avenues that they wouldn't have been able to do without funding. Um, just more of a general question, you know, as you were thinking about starting a business, um, you know, whether that's advice or talking to yeah. people, I think it's really interesting because a lot, the one thing I think it's been very apparent on the podcast is there's no one right way to do it. No, there's not. Um, in terms of raising capital in the beginning, I mean, we just, we got what we got. So we were willing to do whatever we could do to make sure that things, you know, got off the ground smoothly. So, I mean, we approached uh, the situation from like a, we're just going to take what we get and and ride with it. So if we can't do ad spends, we can't do ad spends. If we can if we can't spend money on this and we can't spend money on this, like we just need to make sure that 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 we're doing what we can with what we have. Um, and then shortly after, I realized how much you really need to, you need to get things moving. Um, and then now I, I think. The biggest learning lesson that I've had in terms of funding, like we've raised, we're, we have our pre-seed round open right now. Um, we've been able to raise like two thirds of that. So we've been able to raise 200 grand of awesome. the 300 um, that we've raised. But I'm approaching investment a little bit differently now in that you don't necessarily need, I think I learned from my experience starting the brand that we don't need you know, $5,000 for an agency every month, like there are ways sure. to go about things. You don't necessarily need to have all of these moving parts working at the same time. Like you can also just ask investors for, for help. Um, and I, I think especially in this industry, asking investor, instead of asking for money, I've learned asking for help moves things forward. Um, because and not only asking for help, but finding investors that are in the space because they already have pre-existing connections. Yeah, um, sure. In food, because they they know they know people that have done it before. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, definitely, hundred percent. And and you made a good point, right? I mean, there's, I think some people go to raise money because they feel like it's the next thing they like. It's like the thing they've heard they need to do next, right? You get to a point, and then like, oh, I need to go raise money. Um, but it's interesting to hear 
that's not necessarily why you did it. And it's, there's a lot more to unpack there. And it sounds like you're learning a lot as far as asking questions. Um, I, I, you know, that's something I've had to learn. And I think this podcast has helped me kind of like understand that a little more over my career. used to always want to like solve everything by myself. Uh, And you can, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy in the CPG space too. Like, like I said earlier, so many people are willing to help. So many people are willing to like, just have a conversation. I mean, even you coming on the podcast, right? Hopefully this helps your brand, but at the yeah. same time, like it's cool to make a connection and, and learn from people and understand like why you did the things you did. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great takeaway for the listeners. You know, it's, you can always ask questions, asking questions uh, can help you kind of steer yourself in a different direction potentially. I think like asking questions for me and I'm still learning this asking, asking the right people, it, it like propels your evolution mm-hmm. um, as, as a founder or someone that is trying to develop something. Like yeah, there are yeah. so many people that have made so many of the mistakes that you've made. And I've actually found that it's vital for me to make sure that I reference people that have done it before so that I, so that I don't have to create a trail that I have to clean up after. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. Um, so many things that I've avoided by asking the right questions. And I don't think anybody really teaches us to, to ask questions because it, it's like a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, and I still catch myself doing that, like with our financial model, just understanding cash flows. That's something I really need to become just very in the flow with and just really understand that because that's sort of the baseline of strategic decisions for the company too. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. And I started asking people and then the, now everyone wants to help and, and you're sort of like demystifying what something really is because I think when you try to solve it on your own, you create like a, or at least me, like I created like an internal struggle, struggle as if it's like this, this huge, this huge thing that I have to untangle and like really learn. And yeah. it could be as simple as meeting somebody for an hour and then just explaining something to you. And you're like, Oh, great. <laughs> like that yeah. was really easy. Um, so it eliminates the struggle too. And then you feel more confident when, when, when you do what you do and you don't waste your own time. Sure. So, yeah, no, I think that's, that's great advice for everybody. Um, so you guys, and then you launched on your own site, right? How was the launch? What was that like for people who have never, you know, launched something out into the world before? So, so our initial, and I think this comes from lack of, lack of just experience. Our initial approach was direct to consumer, right? Like putting money behind ad spends. It didn't work out too well, to be okay. honest with you. We were yeah. spending way too much money um, for acquisi- acquisitions, and we didn't know what messaging was going to work. And we're we're just finally learning that now. Um, so, like, great great traction. I mean, we did pretty good with sales the first month, um, like five k in sales for the first month, which is decent. Um, I I also brought on like a, a CMO, which okay. was with some huge food brands before, um, but I realized not like not criticizing but that was not the right thing to do as a, as a startup that just had really lean budgets um he was used to like spending ten thousand dollars on influencers meanwhile we have like three hundred dollars to spend on influencers so anyway things yeah. went pretty pretty well but we ran out of money very quickly okay <laughs> we're, we're planning to an extent sure. yeah and, and you, you don't, don't know, know until you do it right yeah and i don't know if it was necessarily poor planning yeah it was the assumption that the ads like you really need to create a pipeline and we're a new brand, right? We're creating awareness and it takes time for people to 
speculate about what the brand is and then eventually make purchase. And we didn't have any of those email flows or pathways set up to really bring people in. Um, so we were bringing people to site and I just quickly realized this is a waste of money and we don't have it. So we need to pivot. Um, so next month we just really focused on doing retail sales. So just got out on the show. That's a quick, that's a quick flip to retail. I mean, that's good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, I mean, we needed to do what we need to do to survive. Right. Um, and we also need to focus on right now, like telling a good story. So we we're we're slowly getting back into e-commerce right now, but we, I, I needed some data and I, and sure going online, like we wouldn't have had great results in terms of like reorders. Um, but working with stores at this point, so we're in about 35 stores right now. Um, and we're finally seeing the data that we need to approach like the next level of, of retailers. Awesome. Well, no, I mean, good for you guys. I mean, I think, um, you're in the very early stages of getting in, you know, getting distribution. So it's fun to talk to you now. I'm sure if we talk in a year from now, you guys will be at a whole nother stage with tons of lessons learned. So, um, you know, congrats on the launch. First of all, it's a, it's, it's, I don't think, again, a lot of the listeners, if you haven't gone through a process or worked at a, a brand, um, bringing a product to market, let, you know, just in itself, just like a launch on Am, uh, you know, Amazon, D2C, whatever it is with packaging and food, like that is, there's so much work that obviously you just explained went into that day. So congratulations on that. It's exciting. And, and you know, hopefully we'll get some people checking it out. Um, so what's next as we like, kind of, we're, you know, getting here towards the end of the hour, what are, what's the next, you know, I know maybe it's really, this might be a really hard question because you guys are are young, but like the next six months, year, two years, what are your, what's your hopes for only and, um, where you guys go next? Yeah. Um, I think a big focus right now is focusing on planting seeds for different streams of revenue, right? So we're getting Amazon set up. We're doing a lot of corporate partnerships, trying to get into like HelloFresh and like all of the, and all of these different, um, these e-commerce vendors and, uh, and we're, we're having luck with that. So it's like building, continuing to build the storyline, doing some sales, but we're moving away sales in terms of smaller retailers, but we're, we're in our next step, which we're bringing on a broker or two expanding our distribution but doing it strategically Love so it. like just just focusing on the east coast and the west coast and really putting the efforts behind it to make sure that the product moves um focusing on establishing really good really relationships with the retailers and making sure that people get to know the product before we expand um even more a big thing that i've learned from a lot of founders and i'm taking this into our plans for the next six months is that it's easy to get into 200 or 300 stores. It's not easy to actually get the product to move. So yep. really yep. focusing on driving trial and the awareness. So slowly, growing slowly and steadily, but like predictably, right? Like as much as we can to alleviate risk. Um, so we, we have a couple of distributors that we're going to start working with. And then again, resurfacing, um, our direct to consumer site, which is, it's sort of hard to approach it because there's like this weird middle ground. Um, you have to be there with quantities for you to actually start making money. Um, so we, we might be working with a partner that will basically help us reduce our cost per acquisition. So that oh, nice. focus on like building the funnel on our website. Um, it's not, 
great right now and it's not optimized to really lead to purchases. So we're really just focusing on like tightening things up and um, there and then getting into a bunch of reviews in, in the summer, the end of the summer. So a lot of a lot of stores are doing their cookie reviews um, in August. So we should see you know, getting into stores in November or January of next year. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great time to be there too. I feel like January, I know from my time at RX, that's a huge month for the better for you, you know, brands and obviously people trying to get healthier for the new year. So I'm sure that'd be a huge win for, for you guys with your cookies for sure. For sure. Well, that's exciting, man. And, and uh, obviously, um, pumped to see your continued growth, uh, especially in, in retail and online. You know, obviously, as we talked before, I'm a big e-commerce guy. So love to hear that you guys are really diving in there. I think you guys, you guys have an awesome website. First of all, I'll just say that. I, I really, yeah. really liked your website. So yeah, no, I really appreciate it. I mean, not appreciate it. Sorry. I, I really, really liked it. And um, I was looking through it. I'm like, you know, there's, there's something that stands out to me, uh, that really feels like you guys are differentiated in the way you're coming to market. And so, you know, wish you guys the best. Um, one, some of the last questions I love to ask every founder, I think it's really interesting to kind of get a, you know, the same questions asked the first one being source of knowledge for you. Like, do you have a favorite book podcast or just something in general source of knowledge that you'd like to share with the audience today? Can we go to, uh, Source of knowledge. It has really impacted me. I there are just so many books. Um, I'm reading a good book right now. It's called High Hanging Fruit. Um, okay. The founders of a coconut water brand. Ooh. Okay. And and I think what I'm taking away from that, and just a reaffirmation of the core, which is why we're really focusing on our messaging, is our why. Right, like people buy why it's not just what the product is so i mean i started this whole brand because i had a horrible relationship with food like i had an eating disorder and i think that's the, surfacing that so it's that book and then it's also um this this tedx video by brene brown i don't know if you've ever heard of her yeah oh yeah um, and a guiding force power of vulnerability like really using your story and your vulnerability like where you came from and your history um, showing, showing that you're not showing all parts of you is so important. Um, and I, I think that is what makes a brand relatable when you're actually connecting to the story of the brand and not just the product. Um, so that those are the two books we're really focusing on our why right now. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. The product in itself is great. It's a gift to the world that we're actually providing something that nourishes you. But on the same token, like, how do we take that to the next step, creating the best workplace environment, Eth like making sure that our ingredients are sourced um, ethically and we're paying fair wages for a certain ingredient, tiger nut that comes from Africa. We need to focus on next, right? So things like that. Love it. No, that's fantastic, man. That's really cool. I wrote those down and I will add those to the show notes for everyone to check out. Um, the next one, this one is my, my favorite question, actually. What you as a founder, obviously, as you've already mentioned, there's a million different things going on. You're trying to keep track of a lot of different moving pieces. What do you use from a tool perspective uh, to basically organize your life, get goals done, get daily tasks done? Are you a pen and paper kind of guy? Do you use apps? Whatever it is, what do you use to get shit done? I use Google Keep, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Google Keep. And then I was using Asana, but now I'm starting to use uh, Trello. Okay. Um, 
I've and used Trello a little bit. Yeah, you use Trello. I've, I've messed with it a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah, I find that it's really nice. I, I I might just not be using it correctly because sometimes I feel like I like lose. There's just a ton of stuff going on. Yeah, but love to know why you like it's used like Trello for the for the user interface of it. Uh, I yeah, I like it because you can actually segment projects and they're really they're easy to see physically speaking. Like they're all tasks on the project. Yeah, uh, and it's not overly complicated like there aren't a bunch of like green flag red flag like uh for me i i used i used to focus so much on planning that i actually spent too much time managing my calendar and planning than actually just doing things so really to be able to just reference something keeping that up to date but quickly using it to progress um i just found that that was a lot easier to approach love it okay well i love that no it's great i think what's your favorite my favorite, um, I use something called a full focus planner. It, I, I have gotten back into the pen and paper thing. It really, to explain the whole, the way it works, it's, it's really simple. I'll add it to the show notes. It's, um, it's a planner where you have to put your goals in the very front. So it's like you have to write your 10 goals down or whatever main goals you have in a year, put which quarter it's due. So it's really simple. It's just like, right. You have to write it out. Um, and then each week you have, what's called like a big three. So it's like, what are three things you have to get done this week that are building towards your goals, which to me helps me like take this like storm of a million things. And what are like the three most important. And then you have a daily like spread where it's like, okay, today, Tuesday, what are, what's my big three today? And then I have a bunch of other tasks below it. But like, for me, it's like getting three things done a day, 21 things in a week has I've used it for three quarters in a row and I've gotten more done in the last three quarters than I've ever gotten done, I think. And I've actually, I'm actually hitting goals. Um, It sounds like a lot of work. It's super simple. I'll I'll send it to you. Um, It's, it's changed the way I've like set goals and got stuff done. Um, But I do leverage things like Trello. I use Google sheets a lot. I have a very organized Google sheet with like everything I have to do. For me, it's like a one-stop place where I know just like all of my shits there. And then I, I put it into my full focus planner, whether that's the most efficient Got thing. It. It's once a day, every, first thing in the morning, I have a cup of coffee and I like write out my stuff and then I work out and I come back and I'm just like going through it all day. So that makes sense. You're like sifting through it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's my process. But um, the last one and the most important question, Nick, is how do people follow along with you in your journey? And then most importantly, the brand, how do they get involved? How do they try these delicious cookies? Um, we follow us on social media, obviously, but that's a big one. I'll link Um, that. Yeah. Follow to add me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of like, I do a lot of updates and what I'm going through and like what I share a lot of what I'm learning too with everyone on LinkedIn. Um, where can you buy the cookies on our website for right now? And, um, I'll, if anyone wants free shipping, you can, you can order cookies and the code is free to fly. You can Love add it. Add okay. That. Well, we will add that. And we'll be on Amazon in a couple of weeks. Um, we're mainly in the Northeast right now in terms of retailers. So online is the way to go. If, if that's, uh, if that's an option, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate the time. I'll add all of that stuff to the show notes. Everyone can find it and everyone's going to get to try some delicious new cookies and, um, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. This was yeah. fun. Nice to get to know you and, um, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Shane. Awesome. Thanks, Nick.